Good morning and welcome to Empowering Family Caregiver Show on Block Talk Radio. I'm Meghna Giridhar, your host for today's show, sponsored by eCareDiary.com. Today is a very special topic. We will be talking about understanding and caring for mentally ill loved ones. And to do so, we have a wonderful guest today, Dr. Meryn Hammond, who is an author, health professional, speaker, and a change agent. After being struck by bipolar disorder at the age of 51, she had the amazing idea of deciding to write a book about her journey through bipolar country, as she calls it. Her book, Mad Like Me, Travels in Bipolar Country, published in 2018, has been on the Amazon bestseller list for almost a year now. Dr. Hammond, thank you so much for joining us. It's such an honor to have you. Well, thank you. Thanks, Megan. I want to kind of begin by understanding your thought process when you heard the diagnosis and how it affected you and, you know, how it affected people around you. It's a very big change and it's a very big thing that you hear when someone says you've been diagnosed with so-and-so. Can you tell us or can you take us through that time in your life? Sure. Well, I guess the the short version is that it took me completely by surprise and it derailed my entire life. Um, I was a nurse and, you know, a a health professional, a consultant working all around Canada and so on, very competent, very busy. And suddenly I was like a balloon deflated. I, I was not myself. I was not behaving rationally, and as I say in my book, Mad Like Me, I disappeared from the stage of my own life for two full years while I was going up and down, up and down. For those who don't know what bipolar disorder is, literally mood swings sound so ridiculous because we all had mood swings around other times of our life, but this is extreme extremes of high and then low, depression so deep. So I was just really knocked. I had to claw my way back to mental stability. And even now, 12 years after I was first diagnosed, I work every single day to maintain that stability. But I don't want people to think it's a burden. I actually enjoy, I eat healthy, I sleep enough every night, I meditate, I relax, I avoid stress. So all of these things that are healthy for all of us to do, I do, but religiously, because if I don't, I'm going to relapse. So that's for me. Now, you mentioned those around me. My poor husband, gosh, He went into a huge denial when I first got sick, refused to think that I could possibly be mentally ill. We we all think we're above it, right, until it hits home. So Mm -hmm. he was in denial. But then when I got the diagnosis, he was relieved to know what on earth it was and to say, okay, now we can work on this together. So I was really lucky to have his support. Um, He wanted to protect me from what he felt were uncaring mental health professionals, especially when I was hospitalized. He felt, oh, helpless. He wanted to take me out of the hospital, but of course he couldn't. I was not in a state to be released. So that was really hard for him. And then we had some teenage children at the time. Three of our five were still teenagers, and uh, they got 
pretty exasperated by me, my erratic behavior, screaming at some points, just irrational, and then other times just lying on the couch, could not get up when I was depressed. But I was really lucky with them. They were very understanding and supportive. So in general, I could say I think I had an exceptional case of family support. And I, I wish every person with a mental illness could have a family like mine. That's, that's amazing to hear, Dr. Hammond, because it's, it's such a, like you said, it's such a big shock for the entire unit, the entire care team, including the patient who's got the diagnosis. It's, uh, I cannot even imagine how each one of them must have processed this information in their minds and just, you know, kind of emerged and, you know, you helped each other out. So that's, that's amazing to hear. And I'm sure that made such a big difference um, to you and, you know, it kind of helped each other out. So that's, that's really good to hear. And it's important, I guess, for our listeners to know how, you know, everyone can make a difference and it's better to kind of like your husband did have this in his mind where he said, I have a plan and let's make the plan and let's kind of do this together. That's, that's amazing to hear. When, mm-hmm. you know, when you, um, when someone gets diagnosed with, you know, something like what you uh, went through, sometimes I feel like uh, because we've had audience members send us questions about this, they don't know how to be the right kind of caregiver. Everyone wants to help and support in the best manner possible, but what, what from one, point, one person's point of view is appropriate may not actually be right or kind or empathetic for the patient as such. Uh, what advice right. would you give to family caregivers so that it's appropriate and it is you know, the best possible care for, for their loved ones? Mm-hmm. I guess my my main point would be please don't judge the person, don't blame them, and don't shame them. They didn't bring this mental illness on themselves. They didn't ask for it. As with any other illness, you know, you could say I put myself through too much stress and then that triggered it. Yes, it did. But many, many, many other people around me were putting themselves through the same stress and they didn't get ill. So it's not my fault. Respect the patient's dignity and their basic humanity. They don't suddenly just become uh, a non-human being because they are so sick. They, through it all, even when at the height of an episode, either depression or mania, I was fully aware of my surroundings and I knew exactly who was saying what or not saying what and how I knew how I was feeling, unrespected, patronized. Oh, my goodness. My husband would say things like, you have to get some sleep now when I'm manic. Well, I'm sorry, doll. You cannot sleep when you're manic by definition. You cannot sleep. Mm-hmm. He could have said, I see that you're going manic again. Remember what the doctor said? You need to take a Seroquel or an Invega or whatever me- medication has been prescribed. Remember what the doctor said. That rather than speaking to me like some naughty child, I got so angry mm-hmm. with them. Even my kids would sort of patronize me. And I would say, get away, leave me alone. And I'd run out of the house in midwinter here. It's snowing. I've got slippers on and I'm out in the snow getting away from them. Ridiculous. Dangerous, frankly. (laughs) But all I wanted was respect. 
So consult the person. Say something like, what can I do to help you right now? What would make you feel safer or more comfortable or whatever? What can I do? Offer your help. Don't give me an order. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And then also, if I could just add, um, you know, the meds take time to kick in. I'm assuming that this loved one of yours is going for treatment and is going to take the medications. But they take time to kick in and to settle and to, for the docs to find the right doses and the right combinations. In my case, it took two years before we found everything that was needed. So be patient. Be endlessly patient. But know that things will get better with time. And then when she's calm, he or she is calm, make a recovery contract talking about what treatment will be done, what counseling will be gotten, how much sleep will happen every night, how much exercise every day, and when we will be hospitalized in the case of self-harm, suicidal ideation, violence towards others. Have that all written down so that when you call 911 or whatever, it's, it's there in a contract that I signed when I was calm. Preferably get this contract done with a counselor present to keep things civilized. Because if it's just between the wife and the husband or whatever, things can get a little bit uh, too emotional. <laughs> mm-hmm. I understand. Now, what about the caregivers? What advice would you give caregivers to avoid burnout and take good care of themselves while they're also kind of, you know, in this journey with their loved one who's also going through a very tough time? Mm. Is so important and not often spoken about. Basically, looking back now, I realize you have to value yourself and the care and the love that you provide. Don't let it be taken for granted. Even if the sick loved one doesn't appreciate you, you should know that you are providing an incredibly demanding and undervalued service. So I thank you for that on behalf of your loved ones, because now that I'm stable again, I realize what a job it is for them to do. Also, recognize that we are all at risk of mental illness ourselves. One in five people, apparently, the stats show, one in five of us will become mentally ill every year. Now, for caregivers, I'm saying that stat is probably even worse because you're under such extreme stress of taking care of a loved one. So treat yourself as a client. You are your own client as well as the sick loved one who needs and deserves mental health care. So you've got to take care of yourself. Remember on the airplane they say put your own oxygen mask on first before Mm -hmm. you take care of the one next to you. There is such a thin line, Megana, between mental health on the one side and mental illness on the other. And if you cross that line and become mentally ill yourself, the, the journey back to mental health is so arduous. It's so long, so hard. You may never do it. So you, you will be pulled down by trying to take care of this other person, and now you have lost your own mental health. You can't do that. You have to do all those things that I mentioned that I do to stay stable, Sleep, daily exercise, good food, meditation, relaxation, all of those things is essential for you as a caregiver. 
I have a whole appendix about self-care in my book, Mad Like Me, uh, which is relevant for caregivers as well as the loved ones. And as I say there, this is a little quote, please don't take care of your own mental, sorry, please don't take your own mental health for granted or put it at risk uh-huh. while you focus too much on your loved one. If you burn out and crash, there may be no one else to take, to take care of either of you. So you'll both go down. Um, as well, respite. Please don't be too proud or too shy. Ask a family member or a friend to relieve you for a few hours a week or a few days while you go away on a mental health break for yourself. This is essential. We should all be doing that for each other. Join a local organization that offers support to caregivers. Online, like your organization, EK Diary is fantastic, but if they can find a local group, face-to-face meetings, workshops, movie nights I go to, etc., that would be great. And finally, please help to break the stigma against mental illness by being more open with family, friends, and colleagues that you trust about the struggles that you face as a caregiver. Of course, you'll respect the privacy of your loved one, but constantly trying to hide the fact that you are caring for someone who is mentally ill only adds to your own stress. Find somebody that you can speak to about what you're going through as a caregiver. Wonderful. Thank you so much. These tips are incredible, and I'm sure um, some of our listeners or many of our listeners who've tuned in today will find it immensely, immensely helpful. Um, I would love to direct our listeners to your website, which is www.merylhammond.com. I'm going to spell that M-E-R-R-Y-L-H-A-M-M-O-N-D.com for more resources and more information about her must-read book. I'd like to thank our audience for tuning in today. To learn more about eCare Diary and our upcoming shows, visit our website, eCareDiary.com. Registration is free and gives you immediate access to your personal care diary tool. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. My Twitter address is ecare underscore diary. Thank you once again, Dr. Hammond. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you.